This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, man. Yeah. Uh, podcast, man. Really honored to be here. No, dude, I appreciate you, man. Welcome to the Second Floor, man. This has been a long time coming since AAC. We've been trying to get you on and, uh, you know, I'm super happy that we've been able to connect and kind of chop it up and, and I can't wait to just be able to dive into some topics. I know we got about an hour and a little bit, so going to try to try to dive in. But man, like once the reason I wanted you on the podcast is one, your session was incredibly powerful, like the one that you had, um, and then the second one was the men's caucus that we did with with all the all the guys and and the men. And so I think before we get into it, maybe we just introduce uh, you to the second floor family, kind of my audience as well, just who you are, what you're about, uh, and then we'll kind of dive into some questions. So I love that, man. Yeah. Um, well, let me introduce myself then. I suppose uh, second floor. What's good? My name is Ismat Niazi, and. Um, for work, I uh, am a psychiatrist, uh, but other than that, I am a husband, I'm a father, uh, I'm a son, I'm a brother, all those things that really like make life uh, so wonderful. I'm so happy to be here on this second floor podcast, man. I can't tell y'all enough. I used to have a room in the basement. We moving on up, baby. We yeah, hell yeah. No, that's awesome, brother. I appreciate that. And um, I, I want to know personally, like how you got into this space, like how did you get into psychiatry? What was the what was the the trigger or was there something that you've always been passionate about where you're like, you know what, this is kind of my path. This is kind of where I want to go. Yeah, man. You know, I, I was uh, I was really privileged growing up. My father was a pediatrician. Uh, he's a pediat- he was a family medicine doctor back in Afghanistan. He came to America, Nebraska, matter of fact, out of all places and did what, re- you know, what was required of him to become a pediatrician in this country. So. I already kind of like, you know, all Afghan kids are pushed to be doctors, but like, especially like a doctor's son who's Afghan is like, bro, I really didn't have a choice. Um, And after I knew that I wasn't going to be able to hit my first dream of being in the NBA, uh, you know, like when when that realization dawned upon me, I was like, okay, let me like reroute. Knew I was going to do the doctor route. Um, And I'm just lucky because I picked a field that I really love. I have a younger brother. He has autism. I think that's also an influence here, uh, wanting to help that population, um, kids on the spectrum. Uh, And then with my dad working with kids, I knew I wanted to work with kids. So as soon as I got into medical school, I was like, the brain is where it's at. I want to learn about the brain. I learned about neurology. I learned about psychiatry. And I was like, yeah, I want to work on this side of the brain, like like the software of the brain. Like, you know, what what is the inner workings of the mind? And uh, from there, man, every single, you know, like rotation I was on or anytime I was like shadowing a psychiatrist or learning about psychiatry, that was the one thing that like made my brain click. And so that's how I knew to get in this field. I feel really lucky because the more I do it, the more I love it. And and it's more than just a job for me. It's kind of a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, how are you going to, you know, how, how are you going to sell somebody to, to work on their mental health if you're not doing many of those same practices. So uh, I yeah. just feel really lucky to be a psychiatrist uh, for my yeah. profession. Yeah, for sure, man. No, that, that, no, that makes sense. And, and, you know, y- you touched on like the, the circuitry of the brain and, and whatnot. Is there anything in particular from that where you feel 
you know, in between, you know, going into kind of the branches of the brain and, and, and are, is there anything specific that you maybe currently, or maybe in the past have been like, I want to focus on this piece. You know what I mean? Like, is there something that sticks out or is it kind of holistically, you kind of want to explore different avenues and different routes? Yeah. You know, like the first question, you're like, what got you into this field? I'm bringing in personal experience. And then the second question is like, as I've learned about psychiatry and the brain, what mental health looks like, what different mental disorders look like and realizing like, oh, damn, dude, like I have ADHD and like I've had it for a long time. And it's like really changed the way that like I navigate this world. Um, that has been the one thing that I've like even further subspecialized in. And so like there are two populations, maybe even three that I really love working with. Kids on the spectrum, adults on the spectrum and people with ADHD and the ADHD thing I can just relate to. Uh, and it's it's like how these little things change the way we interact with the world and how that can like integrate into somebody's personality, integrate into somebody's like things that they enjoy, their behaviors. Um, I love talking to my patients about that. All right. This different worldview that you have due to like, you know, different brain connections, different brain like anatomy, you know, whatever you want to get into. How does it like, what does that actually mean to you? How, how does that affect you? And like, like, what are your goals? How do you want to get to those goals? Uh, and that's what I get to do every day that I work, man. It's, it's just, it's such a privilege. The brain is so cool, man. You, you can change the way you think. You can change the way that like you deal with stress. You have the power to do so. Um, and it's really cool to like, not only try to unlock that in myself, but like unlock that in other people uh, when they come into my office, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you touched on something that I want to kind of dive into a little bit. How much is, how much is self, um, like our own self in the part of like, like self-inflicting, you know what I mean? Like how, do, how is just like us being like, like you said, you, you know, you, you talk about stress, right? So like, how much is that like self, like almost motivated or self, like we, we kind of do it to ourselves and how much is that, you know, maybe genetics or just kind of upbringing, is there a lot of, is there like when you say like we, we can, can kind of control our stress or like deal with it, uh, you know, how much is that like us doing certain things to be able to unlock that or unravel that? Yeah, man. Like how much are, are we our own worst enemy? Yeah. 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 Yeah, dude. Well, let me, let me, let me start by saying th this world is a hard place to live right now. You know, it, it, it's, it's a cruel world. It's a hard place to live right now. Um, and it has forced many people into like destructive habits or many people into like, you know, the rat race that isn't always going to prioritize one's health, one's mental health, which like, if you ask me, those two things are like, you know, one and the same oftentimes. So we get in our own way, but we also have blinders on because man, we can't stop to like, look around and actually like assess what's going on. Cause this world is like, nah, man, wake up, go to your job come home, get ready to go to your job tomorrow. It's the weekend, like numb yourself and then do it all again on Monday. Um, so I think like the first thing is like looking inward and, and, and trying to understand, all right, if I'm like dealing with uncomfortable feelings like anxiety or if like my energy is always low or if my mood is like, you know, I'm angry a lot or like just not feeling it a lot and I just want to like, you know, be by myself, what might be going on? And like trying to look inwards 
can be really hard to look inwards. We have all these defense mechanisms. We have all these biases that, you know, we've developed in our life. And so sometimes it's helpful to do that with somebody else, like look inward with somebody else. And that can be support systems. That can be professionals. Um, but to answer the question originally, like how much uh, of it is self-inflicted? Well, I think people just like develop different patterns that you have a really hard time getting out of unless you have that moment of like, yo, something needs to change. And then even then it's a journey to get where you want to get. And, and so like, it's, it's difficult, man. It's really, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and what is that? Like, how much is that from your position in terms of your role and like what you do on a, like a day to day when, you know, a client comes to you, you know, first time, how much is it, you know, prepping and research and kind of getting to know the person sitting, sitting across from you and then when does that shift of like when you need to say, OK, we need to start implementing, you know, X, Y, Z into your life or we need to start finding these support systems. How how much is that planning and prep to to to, to start doing the, the things that they need to do? Yeah, dude, that's a great question, man. Like uh, if it's if it's like such a straightforward answer is like, all right, if you're sad, you take this med, if you're then how come people don't just get better from it? Yeah, man, it, it is like the process. And and what I always try to do is, yeah, when, when someone comes to me, the first thing I want to do is I, I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to feel like they can tell me things um, because I don't know what I don't know. And, and if you're coming to me for help, you feeling comfortable and being able to, like, explain these things to me that that's going to be helpful for 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 your goals. But then getting to know somebody is so much more than like, all right, tell me about your sleep. Tell me about your appetite. What's your mood been like? I want to know what what gets you to tick, man. What what makes you live? Um, we don't just need to talk about like what's the things that are wrong. Like what are when things are good? How does that look like? Because that's the goal. How can we get back to that place? And I usually meet with patients for an hour. The first time I meet them, I have them come back the next week for 30 minutes ask some follow-up questions. I think about the cases in between, have them come that third time. And then we talk about like the initial treatment plan. This is what we're going to start doing. doesn't mean that we can't change it, but this is what we're going to start doing. Um, so that's like two hours of, you know, spending time with someone before I'm even comfortable giving that like initial, Hey, here's how we're going to get you to these goals that we've discussed. Yeah. How, how often do you, you know, turn away a client? Like, is, is there, are there clients that get kind of prescribed to you and say, hey, look, like, maybe it's a different doctor. They're like, hey, you know, we recommend, you know, yourself and, and whatnot. Or how, how many times are you like, you know what, you don't, you don't need my treatment. You don't need this. I recommend you do X, Y, Z and, and you should be good. Dude, you know, I, I absolutely at times are like, hey, do you want to take a medication? We can talk about medications. You might be able to do this without medications. And this is how that can look like, because I view my role as like, I'm in service to my patients and, and to be in service to my patients mean I got to give you all the knowledge that I have so you can make the right choice for you. Um, again, getting to know about everyone has their own culture, individual culture, family culture, you know, ethnic culture. And so none of this is going to work if I'm battling against something you don't want to do. Yeah, I'm going to give you the information. I want you to make the decision. Uh, and then, you know, from there, um, I want to work and meet patients where they're at. I can give a recommendation and they can come back and be like, I wasn't able to do it. And there's no judgment there. Like, hey, if you weren't able to do it, that's OK. Should we still work on that? Should we talk about something else? Uh, 
it's a service job. I, I think like yeah. doctors and even psychiatrists in the past, they, they can be really like, you need to do this and do this. And I hate that. I don't think that shit works, man. I, th- yeah. I think like, uh, uh, you really got to meet people where they're at and work with them. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Shop local. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you are choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network. So it's just a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Yeah, man, I I feel that a lot. And, And especially in like, I want to get into, you know, like, especially this year, especially like 2022 and obviously the last couple of years have been kind of crazy, you know, for the world. But um, how has the last couple of years in your in your profession has, you know, clients problems changed or if they have at all? Like how has COVID or just like the economy and like everything that's happening right now? How has that like impacted your clients? Dude, the pandemic has been really hard on kids, man. Mm. I work with kids. Um, I work with adults. I work with teenagers. I work with families. Uh, it's been really hard on kids and I feel for them. Uh, students of all ages, honestly, we're talking elementary school, middle school, high school, but even college, like so many traditions were taken away. Um, social isolation where like the developmental task of those years is to be social and to find like, you know, your people and where do I fit in in the world? And that was taken away. Uh, spending that much time with your parents like bro parents are so great for so many things but like kids don't need to be around their parents and also parents don't need to be around their kids that much it was a really hard time for kids Uh, so there was like a national emergency for you know child adolescent mental health that they're trying to extend even and if it's hard for kids it's also got to be hard for adults yeah maybe adults are a little more resilient or a little more wise but Every patient that I have, or I shouldn't say every, but like most patients that I have, this was a significant part of their mental health journey, whether it was things got worse for them. And that's when they sought out care, whether that was, um, you know, things weren't already good, but it got even worse and exacerbated. And so they needed to go even like a little more layered in the care. Like it was really affecting man. And, and even me uh, as, as a psychiatrist, I used to see 100 percent of patients in the office. You're going to come to my office. We're going to like chop it up in person. 2020 hit, pandemic hit, NBA canceled their season, whatever. Everything after that was telehealth. And now, dude, 90% of the visits I see every day is over a computer. And so it has completely changed the landscape of the world. And I think uh, we're still trying to pick it up. We're still trying to pick up the pieces. And like you said, that's not the only thing going on, man. The like economy and like, oh, by the way, this thing called global warming and oh, just like turmoil in general. Um, the world is ill and yeah. it, it sometimes feels weird diagnosing people with disorders when we're living in just like a really ill world. Uh, but I'm yeah. here to help, man. I'm here to help. Yeah, for sure. And, and- you know, I guess going into even even kind of diving into this a little more, how much of the quote unquote disorders are pre- preventative? 
Yeah, you know, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way to frame that question. Like preventative meaning like would have never happened if like how many of these disorders came from like some life event happening? Yeah. I think you even kind of uh, asked this question earlier, man. I go on so many tangents and so like that. It gets to like, what is like the role of the genes, like biology, like what our parents give us versus like, what is the environmental role? And, and how yeah. does that come together for psychiatric disorders? It's the impossible question. Genes mm. matter. Genes matter, man. We, we, we get half of our DNA from mom. We get half of our DNA from dad, bio mom, bio dad. Yeah. Um, and then... Our parents are going to raise us in a very similar way to the way that their parents raised them and to their parents raised them. And so the biology gets even further reinforced. Right. And there are extreme life circumstances that can kind of shake that up. Yeah. That can actually change your genes. Mm. How you grow up, like what experiences you go through can go and alter your genes at a molecular level. So to separate the two is impossible. The parents' genes, they lay that groundwork, and then your environment takes over from there. Yeah, wow. That's crazy. Man, um, it's so funny because I saw this TikTok from this one young dude. He was like, he's like 20, 28 or 29. And the TikTok was, he was like in a drive-thru to get coffee. And he's like, man, he's like, I don't know what information to believe right now. He's like, I can, I can Google anything right now and my belief system will be reinforced on Google. So he's like, I'm going to just search up coffee causes blindness. And he, he searches it and then he shows the screenshot of like, oh, look, there's a, an article, a study that says that coffee causes blindness. And then he's like, but wait, let me do the opposite. Coffee cures blindness. He searches that. And then another article pops up saying that coffee cures blind. There's some, something to do with that. And he's like, I'm 29 and I don't even know what kind of information to believe and who to trust and to go to this doctor or that doctor. And I mean, even COVID, like I remember when COVID happened, like there was a huge split where people were like, yo, pro vaccine, like got to get your vaccines. And then there was this other side where it's like, no, like the government and like, you know, all that, like. And um, so I'm curious to know your thoughts on this, where how 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 is this inf like how as a as a young individual, kids growing up, adults that are in this that are trying to get, you know, obviously the right information to them. What do they do? Like, obviously, Google isn't helping and and and, and whatnot. So what do you like as a as a doctor? What do you like kind of recommend from 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 a standpoint of information and kind of belief beliefs? Dude, misinformation is everywhere. It's touching everything in the world, right? You got to all those examples. Uh, on TikTok, misinformation is like rampant. On Google, it's rampant. And, and actually, like th this new data that's showing, a lot of people are starting to use TikTok instead of Google. It, all this to say, um, there's a lot of misinformation. And now I'm with a group on TikTok, uh, and, and we're trying to put out like evidence-based mental health videos, um, educational videos, videos about different treatments. We're not giving patient advice over social media because that that doesn't that's not going to work. But education, that's a huge part uh, of mental health. And part of that is we tell like our followers to tag us in videos that they think is like kind of sketch or sus or whatever. Bro, the videos we get tagged in, it's just like, oh, my God. And, and they can be 
harmful. Like, like if there's a video that's saying Adderall is the exact same as methamphetamine, and then that makes someone who has ADHD not use a medication that is incredibly helpful for ADHD and incredibly safe. That's a harmful video. Mm, yeah. And that thing is being, you know, like uh, reposted. The comments are going crazy. Um, if there's a video that, you know, like even uh, antidepressants don't work for depression. And it's like, man, that is such a general statement that can prevent people who are in crises who are in you know need of help from getting help it's a problem it's a problem i don't think anyone has the answer to it um we're gonna have to see how this shakes out man this is kind of like this new thing that comes up and and we're just gonna have to adjust to it yeah because i I feel like man like even just like the simple for example you know like a lot of my homies right now are on the carnivore diet you know they're just straight carnivore eating meat like and and, and it's, and it's, you know, to each his own, right? And, and, and it's easy to get persuaded in the fact of like getting into it or whatever the case may be. But, um, and then I have other friends that are, that are vegan, that are just like, you know, anti meat, like don't touch the animals. <laughs> and it's like, you know, from a health perspective, from a social perspective, it's just like, it's chaos out there. So it's like, uh, you know, for information, it's it's very difficult right now to just be like, what is right? Like, I don't understand. One doctor says this, then there's another doctor who's like a carnivore pro. And then, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's very difficult out there. Because once it ta- taps into your beliefs personally, then it's tough to tough to be persuaded somewhere else. You know what I mean? You just kind of lean towards somebody that you like or that you care about. It might be an influencer, but whatever that influencer says, you, you're going to, you're going to mess with. And, and yeah, man. And, and then the algorithm is going to be like, oh, you like that one? Okay. Like, let me show you this one. Let me reinforce it. Let me, and, and it just snowballs. Yeah, dude, it's, it's wild, man. It's wild. I, I, we're dealing with it in live time and I don't know if we know how to like backpedal uh so so what i'm just trying to do is is with this group just try to put out hey man this is all evidence-based anything that we put on a video is going to be evidence-based um and what i tell my patients is google it like i want you to go into the forums read up about it get scared about it if if, you know all these weird side effects whatever and then come back to me and let's talk about it and let me be just like completely transparent with you uh because people are googling this stuff anyways um let's talk about it yeah yeah for sure great stories are timeless to be a great storyteller one must bridge the gap between an alluring narrative and the audience to pull with the heartstrings and to shape the imagination at Q Films Media we're more than just a media production agency We are a powerhouse of creative individuals, content creators, who specialize in telling great stories. Stories that are intimate and kept closest to the heart. Stories that are powerful and inspiring, that spark boldness and action. We are Q Films Media. We're here to tell your story. We are always unseen i want to i want to ask you this um you, obviously I'm, I'm obviously being on social media and whatnot you know andrew tate uh 
He's like the dude who looks like Austin Rivers a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, yeah, he's, uh, he's the, he's the dude that was kind of viral for the last like, I don't know, for the last month, and like he's just he's portraying his beliefs about about men, and and obviously he has opinions on women, and like you know, women should do this, and 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 men should be like this, and. I just wanted to know if you what your thoughts were on the guy in terms of what he's kind of portraying and, and whatnot. But if you don't know, it's all good. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I know like he's a controversial figure. I know he said some yeah. like like uh, you know, at least the quotes like pretty messed up things that like from the quote I read, I was like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. But man, I, I stay away from that. I, I do stay away from that in, in, in the social spaces. Um my social media is like I need to know when the latest sneakers are dropping. <laughs> Uh, yeah, know, like the NBA games and like what the highlights are, and like I need to know like what is uh you know like the latest like fashion and, and stuff like that, and I, and I try to stay away from the other stuff because, man, the world is already a hard place to exist, and when you're putting that into the digital media and like entertaining into these things that just get you fired up, yeah, in the virtual world, uh, there's enough to get me fired up right here. Right yeah, there. yeah, for sure. I think I think one thing that kind of what he showed kind of the world is that, you know, men have problems, you know, men, men, men go through a lot. And 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 the things that are kind of hidden and uncovered and because us guys like I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I don't like to talk about my feelings. I don't like to showcase them. I don't want to be, you know, how you feeling today? Like, I don't want to be I don't want to be. I don't want to talk about it, right? And so when he started talking about certain things, it just showed like people, like especially men that are looking and like craving for help or at least craving for um, something to 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 stick onto or believe. Um, and and even with the like, just kind of going back to AAC um, because our our session was powerful, man. And uh, you know, you you could see like twenty minutes in, like after you guys started asking those questions and kind of going through the activities um or the exercise that once people started being comfortable opening up a little bit especially about like their sexuality and kind of abuse at home and like once they felt open it kind of opened up a like a, a can of worms and people started going after each other and like it was i was like obviously in it and i was witnessing i was like damn like there's a lot of guys that need some guidance, some support. Um, and so how do you feel about like men's health and like what, what have you done personally in your space and your team? Um, what, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, dude, I love that, that we're talking about men's mental health. Cause this is a thing, man. This is definitely a thing. And it's a problem uh, because like we're the weaker sex, man. Like we, we don't know how to like talk, things through um we, we we aren't the greatest at communicating as a whole and yes it's stereotypical but like just check this out 75 percent of completed suicides are men the reports of depression like when when people are reporting depression whatever women represent two times higher depression rates than men. So women have twice the reported depression as men, but suicide, which we think of as like this, obviously men, you've got to be depressed or like things aren't going well for, for most suicides. Men are 75% of those things. I, I, don't, I don't know how to connect those two without mm -hmm. going to the space of men don't know how to reach for help. Uh, a, a, a tenet of masculinity 
toxic masculinity, might I add, do it yourself. Don't ask for help. Like you got to go get a task done, go get that done. Don't you dare bother me by asking for help, you know, with this, that, or the third. And that's the same with our mental. And so maybe a feeling like worry comes up and there's a lot of worry, maybe like sadness comes up. Maybe there's like this mundane feeling of going through the motions instead of like stopping and being able to recognize I might be depressed. I might be anxious. Maybe you just try to hide it with substances, right? Higher substance use in men versus women, um, higher impulse disorders and, and like aggressive disorders in men versus women. So it comes out in different ways. And uh, the mental health system is definitely a system that maybe hasn't addressed men's needs as well as it can. And, and how do you address a need when men in general have a problem like reaching out for help? Uh, I don't know, but this is kind of a new thing in mental health that we're trying to figure out how to reconcile these things. 75% of suicides, half the rate of depression. Help me figure it out. Yeah. And, and we're trying to. Um, I, I, I think a lot of my patients, especially the ones I do therapy with, who are men feel grateful that they have a male therapist. And that is not a very common thing uh, in the mental health field. And so again, um, hopefully as we move away from like some of these toxic tenants of masculinity, uh, more men will be reaching, you know, asking for help. And hopefully there might be more men providers as well, uh, you know, cause matching up with a therapist you feel comfortable with is, is incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 like you said, man, like how many guys go out of their way, um, to, to, to ask for help, you know, cause it's quote, you know, quote unquote embarrassing or whatever the case. And, um, no, that, and I go, I always go back to that caucus because that, that was such a powerful session, man. And, um, it was, it was short, you know, the, the hour that we had is like, you could probably sit there all day and, and go back and forth between the problems and, 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 quote unquote solutions or exercises and things like that. But it just showed that there is, there is a need for, for men to f find some help. Yeah, man. And, and like, yo, if the bar is just like recognizing that you're not having a good time, <laughs> like let's set the bar there. Like, come on fellas. Like we can, we, we, we can do better. Um, and it, it, the stigma is breaking slowly, man. It, it, it is breaking slowly. Uh, I have a lot of homies who have reached out for help. Um, going to AAC, man, it, it fills my cup so much because people will come to me and they'll say things like, man, I reached out for help because I saw one of your wellness Wednesday sessions mm. or like, you know, I, I started telling people I have ADHD because you disclosed to people that you have ADHD and taking away the shame from that. Um, we're making progress and, and that's something to feel optimistic about. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I guess going into it, obviously you and I both are Afghan, um, and, we have that commonality and, and, um, how, you know, maybe talk about specifically like Afghan mental health. Cause I want to know, like, how do you tackle that? Especially with, you know, I mean, obviously AAC is a per, like a great resource, a great place to go to once a year. Um, you know, cause everyone can find some sort of common ground and then obviously those powerful sessions help. But from a standpoint of, a, of an Afghan who grows up in the standard Afghan household, who grows up with parents who expect certain things and and certain certain themes are taboo, uh, se you know, talking about, you know, se sexuality or sex or or these types of things are kind of taboo. And and growing up in the Western world where they're getting bombarded with these things as they're growing up, they're getting bombarded with stuff that's just 
toxic, but they come home and they can't talk about that. They can't, they, they come home from school or they come home from work. They can't go to their parents or maybe they'll talk to their siblings if they have. Um, but where does, where does that person, how does that person start? Like where in your, and you know, obviously having, again, again, being Afghan, where do we start to kind of address certain things that you, that you, that you have certain problems or, or just household things? Cause you've grown up that way. That's right, man. No, that's right. Yeah. Shout out to Afghanistan, man. Um, I, I love being able to connect with like other Afghans, right? There's just that level of understanding that you have from the jump, knowing that like, man, my parents went through similar things as your parents. And now we're here and we're trying to make the best of this like hyphenated identity, uh, balancing the two cultures, American culture with Afghan culture, Canadian culture with Afghan culture, like whatever it might be. Um, it's really hard. Because, yo, most of our parents didn't leave Afghanistan like, hey, I'm going to just leave now and like go to another country. No, like we had to like get out like they, they had to get out of Afghanistan and it was due to trauma. And trauma is, you know, I got choice words to say about it that I'll, I'll try to censor myself. I know I haven't been great so far, but I'll start now. Uh, it's a bad thing, man. It's really hard. And that trauma can be passed down to us in our genes. So literally we're inheriting trauma of our parents in our DNA mm. and in the way that our parents raise us. What does trauma mm. do to an individual? It makes them hyper aware of the situation. It makes them anxious about the situation, negative worldviews about the situation. This world is not safe. Um, Hypervigilant, overbearing, maybe you would say uh, <laughs> about our Afghan parents. Um, Shorter temper, shorter fuses, not wanting to talk about trauma, not wanting like wanting to avoid that sort of thing. And that affects us growing up in those situations. That affects yes. the way our parents raise us. That's not the best version of our parents raising us when that trauma is coming in and affecting them. Yeah. That affects the way we see things. Yeah. And it can be really hard to reconcile that thing. That's one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite parts about uh, the Afghan American conference and, and the community organization as a whole is that it does address just talking about it. And, and man, like, you know, sometimes uh, people disclose things to me at these conferences that they're like, man, I ain't told anyone that before. Mm. And I can, I can see a weight starting to lift off their back. It's not gone. Mm. It's starting to lift off their back because they have come to a place where like, now I want to deal with this. When you say some shit out loud, again, I'll sorry, <laughs> censor my, when you say things out loud, yeah. it becomes real. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure, man. That's so powerful. And, you know, I'll, I'll give an example, man. Like when I grew up, my dad was very hard on me. You know what I mean? Military guy came from the Afghan military, you know, escaped Afghanistan. And long story short, growing up, he had these expectations of of, of me in certain, you know, school and, and certain things and not going to parties or not doing X, Y, Z and being that, you know, the angel kid as being the first, the first kid. And, um, you know, kind of going into high school and university, I started hating my dad because he would compare me to my cousins and compare me to, oh, you know, Phil Onigak over here and, you know, so-and-so over here did this and why aren't you doing that? And and that's why, kind of, that's why I was in my science program. Like I graduated with a biology program and, um, but growing up, man, and, and I just hated him because every time I come home, it was just the same like, oh, how was high school all over again, even though I'm in university? Oh, you didn't go to this university because so-and-so got in and you didn't get in. Obviously, your marks aren't good enough. 
Um, and so there was a lot of hatred and resentment that built up, built up with my dad. And um, once I got out and once I started doing my own thing and I started listening to myself and saying, you know what, this, you know, uh, the biology path isn't for me. Like I, I, I love media. I love kind of marketing and things like that. I'm going to try this out. And for, for a few years, man, it was rocky because nothing was, I, I, there was nothing was manifesting. It was just me trying to build into this completely different career path, you know? And, um, but it's so funny because as I started to gain some momentum in my life and find some success, I, uh, I started showing my dad, like I went, I was like, Hey, look at my office. Yeah. I got an office. Like, I'm not just like some, I'm like low life. Like, Hey, look, I'm, I bought a house and I bought this and this and that. And then that kind of attitude that he had almost came, came off. And, um, it's so weird because my dad is like, we're homies now and I've never had that. And it's so weird to, to, he's like a softy and like, he's, he's, he's being soft. And obviously maybe that's with age too. Like he's grown older and, but man, like this whole like military dad that grew up and was so hard on me. And now I'm like, I'm homies with the guy. And it's like, it just like, it's such a weird thing that I still can't wrap my head around. You know what I mean? But. Yo, like, Cassius, appreciate you sharing that, man. Like yeah. that, that's a powerful story. And I'm sure uh, if there's any Afghan like listeners out there or even like uh, hyphenated listeners, right? That's balancing two cultures they'll relate to many parts of that. Yeah, man. So, I mean, you know, going back to it, like, yeah, my, like my dad, and it's so weird. I just can't get, get that the way he was growing up. I can't just completely erase it. And I guess not trauma. Cause he was, he was a good father. No, no, no. I'm not going to diss my dad, but he was hard at, at certain points. And there were certain points just that I just couldn't handle, handle that. And um, I think he just wanted me to do well. And his, the way he, the way he was was oh, okay i'm gonna push him to to the brink i'm gonna make him feel you know some type of way uh you know about his cousins about you know the people around him so he can you know maybe light a fire under your ass as as they would say right and and see if that works because that was the only way he knew and i'm sure he grew up with in the same sort of way so yeah man so many of the points that that, that you hit in, in in that narrative that you built um would resonate with a lot of people uh, you know, I work with parents a lot. I work with parents of teenagers a lot who come to me like, I just want this, like my kid. To, so I'm trying to do this and I want to push him to do this. And, and like oftentimes I pause the conversation. I zoom out and I ask them, what is the goal? Like, what actually do you want for your kid? Besides, like, I want them to be a doctor. I want them to be in biology. Like, what is the goal? Yeah, it's like I want them to have a career that they enjoy doing. I want them to be financially stable. I want them to have this opportunity or that opportunity. And then it opens them up to like creatively thinking about the different ways that you can get there. Um, It it sounds like and then you've already hit on this, man. Like it sounds like you processed this. Your dad thought this was the way to get you to that stage where, you know, you, you are hitting success. And as soon as you showed him something tangibly successful, right? Like the office, like, yo, dad, look what I'm up to. Started this company, like, check this out. His worries started to melt away, mixed with, you know, wisdom and age and all that stuff. But, yeah. uh, you know, oftentimes our parents are, are, are they're, they're truly doing the best and they don't always know what buttons to press. There's not a manual for this stuff. And so I have a lot of grace with parents when I work with parents. Yeah. And especially 
when they're coming from a different culture. Yeah. This culture is different, dude. Yeah. And like, how are you, how do they not stumble and trip on how to raise somebody in this culture? I grew up thinking like my parents don't understand actually. Like mm. telling me like, I can't go out on Saturday and Sunday with my friends at high school. I'm not going to have friends in high school if I can't go out on the weekends. To have friends yeah. They don't understand. Yeah. Uh, but their whole thing was, I want you to learn that family is really important and spending time with family should also be prioritized. And so it's, it's just really hard. Um, This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic to say the least, and Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time on any device. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head over to ab.bluecross.ca. And and I, I, I'm curious, how has that? How has your maybe belief system or or your views? How have they've changed as you've become a parent? Yeah, dude, uh, a lot more grace for parents. That's for sure, man. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, um, fatherhood has already made me realize that. I'm going to be very similar as my dad in raising my children. That is my natural go-to. Um, my dad, shout out Akhtar Niazi, the original Dr. Niazi, like shout out to my dad. But he was like the puff your chest out, like don't don't make me raise my voice at you type. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I get that way. <laughs> I get that way. And I, and I know better. I know better. And I'm still like out here like doing that to my three-year-old that doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah yeah any sense but it is how i learned to be a father from my father and i have half of my father's genes how can i not fall into similar patterns um so it, it has just given me a lot more grace that like yo, parents oftentimes not always but oftentimes overwhelmingly oftentimes are doing the best they can with what they have yeah uh, and, and and for me I'm just trying to like keep in mind, all right, what are all the beautiful things that my parents have given me and how can I translate that into like a 2022 version of giving my kid those same things? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes total sense, brother. And, and, uh, I guess going, you know, talking about, you know, what, what do you see? Like, is there anything you see kind of in your space where you see kind of the trajectory going in terms of kind of, uh, you know, psychiatry in general, like the career path or like certain things that have changed in psychiatry based on what's been happening over the last like, you know, few years. Are there any different new methods of of treatment or or anything like that that you can share with us? Even and maybe if just something, something pops in mind in terms of certain methods and, and whatnot. So, 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 for example, for what I've heard is like a lot of, I don't know about like medical professionals, but, you know, obviously a lot of a lot of stuff has been geared towards, you know, fitness and health and, you know, getting exercise and doing more of that. Um, and that's obviously been in the forefront of, 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 uh, of a lot of things. But I want to know from you, just based in your kind of experience and kind of where you're at, what's kind of the trajectory of certain, certain methods? Are there new methods coming out? Are there certain treatments? You know, maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah, man. Um, you know, like psychiatry, 
one of these things that had like an eruption of drugs in the 60s, uh, maybe a little before, like when, when like the first antipsychotics were coming out, an eruption of drug like in the 80s, 90s, when like, you know, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors were coming out. Um, but really it's kind of paused in, in, until recently. Um, like you said, with fitness, like you said, with like nutrition, like the wellness component of mental health is being emphasized. Um, I grew up in that era. So like that is something I talk with my patients about all the time. Okay. These medications that we use for depression, anxiety, they are symptom reducers. They are not cures. If it helps you get over the anxiety of going to the place and actually putting yourself through the event that makes you anxious to get the confidence to go through it again, it's doing its job. It's not going to cure anxiety. If it is making it, you know, easier for you to feel less depressed so you can get out and get to the gym and go see the homies and do the social stuff, it is doing the job. Um, and so that wellness component, realizing the kind of like limits of these medications, what to expect from them, what not to expect from them, that's definitely something that has augmented the field. And now, uh, and, 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 you know, I say this, with excitement, although it's not like FDA approved and all that stuff, but like, man, the age of psychedelics in psychiatry, it's coming back. It's right. really exciting, man. Uh, things like psilocybin, things like um, uh, MDMA, uh, there's real evidence for these things and it's being studied. They have fast tracks by the FDA to gain approval for things like depression, for things like anxiety, for things like PTSD, for things like eating disorders. It's mm. exciting. It's exciting. It's got a lot of people really excited about its potential benefits. Yeah, for sure. And how much of of um, I guess your your job, brother, is like you know doing you know certain research or or do you do any any publishing of of of, of stuff yourself of of things that you guys work on with your team? Uh, do you do that? I'm a clinician. I'm a clinician yeah. to see patients. That's what I love, man. I love connecting with people and and trying to figure out like if I can be helpful to people and, and like, that's like what I do. Yeah. Um, but you know, some of my, like I have a homie that, that is a researcher and he's part of that psych doc, TikTok, our, our little TikTok page. Yeah. Uh, he keeps me hip on everything because how can I be good at this job if I don't know the advances in this field, bro? I, I, yeah. I feel very old when it comes to technology and social media and stuff like that. I can't feel very old when it comes to my profession because if I'm doing that, then I might be holding back treatments that can help people. Oh, I'm going to touch on this last thing. And, you know, we got obviously 10 or 15 minutes. But um, uh, I was watching a, uh, a a podcast with Dr. Joe Espinenza. I don't know if you know Dr. Joe Espinenza. He's a neur neurologist. But um, he was talking about, he was like a 20-minute kind of conversation. And it was really powerful. He was talking about stress. And he was talking about how if your thoughts can make you sick, then your thoughts can make you well. And his whole uh, thing and his team, um, that's all they do is they kind of, you know, they work with people and, and they kind of, you know, work kind of backwards in reverse and kind of, and, and he was talking about like, it was very interesting because he was talking about, you know, the subconscious and the conscious and how certain, you know, uh, tragedies that happen in your life and how people kind of extend that, you know, they're, you know, you ask somebody, oh, why is he, why is he, um, why is he angry? Oh, something happened to him last week. You know, six months later, oh man, he's kind of, he's, he's, he's being kind of rude. Why is he like that? Oh, you know, six months ago, this happened. And then five years later, oh man, this guy seems so bitter. Why is he so bitter? 
He's like, oh, that happened, you know, five years ago, this thing happened. And um, he was just talking about how that the layers of of the of of the thoughts and kind of all that that's happening it was so interesting man but what are your thoughts about that what are your thoughts about stress and what are your thoughts about like your thoughts i guess <laughs> yeah dude man this is cool this is cool it's like the last little talking point because you're, you're bringing together so many of the things we've already talked about before how like personal narrative is really important how trauma can affect us how the environment can literally change our genes how we can get into self-destructive patterns and not even know it. Hey, man, this guy is still affected from something that happened, you know, a week ago that wasn't that big of a deal. Oh, like six months ago, that was maybe a bigger deal. Oh, years ago, that trauma still. Um, I, I Like it, it ties together a lot of these concepts. Uh, so this is a really cool kind of last question to, to, to think about. I think there is a lot of power in habit and in, in homeostasis, like um, things just kind of balanced out, steady, calm, like all the chaos is always working towards that, that state of homeostasis. And then there's a lot of power in that. And that's what habits are. That's our routines. That's the things that we do every day. And we can change habits. Um, I love the, the therapy modality of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's all about this triangle where on this side of the triangle, it's feelings at the top of the triangle, it's thoughts and at this uh, tri part of the triangle, it's behaviors. Mm. The way we think can influence the way we feel. The way we feel can influence the way we behave. And those are bi-directional arrows between all of them. All of those components can influence each other. So if they can influence each other for the worse, they can influence, we can learn how to make them influence each other for the best. And, and I really do think that people can choose to live the life they want to live. And by choose, I don't mean it's as simple as like, I want to live like that, but putting in the work and sometimes for, you know, depending on your life circumstance, that work can be a lot harder than other person's work, right? We're talking about different levels of privilege, but you can, you can change the way you think to change the way you feel, to change the way you act. Yeah. Uh, and I truly believe it because because I do it every day, man. And, and it's and it's like the meds are, are, are one thing. Um, but like when you have a therapeutic breakthrough with somebody and like you see their perspective change, uh, that is that's where the power is. Uh, that's where the power is. Again, if the medications bring down the severity so you can do the work. Can you can you share a story, brother? Or maybe if, if you can, it's all good because I know, you know, that's uh, obviously, you know, might be a little bit sensitive, but do you have a story in kind of your, um, you know, clients of, of that therapeutic like moment or maybe you can share maybe. Man, I, I have like a common theme that I'll talk like, like, like the people pleasing thing, like, uh, like so many people, like we just want, like, we want to please other people. We like literally are trying to do things that we don't want to do just to like make sure everybody else is okay. Some people do that to an extreme. Um, and then like that can come with feeling like, all right, well, who's ever going to take care of me? You know, if I'm doing all this for others, like who, who's going to take care of me? Mm. And, 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 and right, like this is a really relatable kind of concept and working through like developing that. Well, you only get in life the things that you communicate, right? Like, like people can't read your mind. So how do you communicate your needs? And how can you go from this place of, I have to please everybody, otherwise no one's going to like me, to loving yourself and feeling confident to yourself, still being kind to others, 
but not having to do the things that you don't want to do because you want to live within your values. So like when boundary setting actually takes place and people can now start living for themselves and not feel like they're kind of a mess with other people, a mess with other like thoughts, a mess with other behaviors that they're not doing for themselves. When that breakthrough happens and they can like finally, you know, whether it is advocate them for themselves to get that raise at work, whether that is finally like kind of be like, hey, man, I got to like cut this person out of my life um, in, in a productive way. Or whether that be like, hey, man, I got to put these boundaries up with my parents because they're just eating at my mental health. They're just like eating at it. And I got to put this boundary up that respects them, but also protects myself. Like when that moment happens um, and, and it does, it, it, it's everlasting. It's mm. everlasting. And it feels really cool the next week to have it, you know, reinforced in a different way. Oh, now I put this boundary up with, over here, reinforced in a different way. Like, oh, now I'm living for myself in this way. Um, and you just see that snowball effect, just like it can snowball, the, you know, going in the down way. The progress can snowball, too. And, and that's like the most, you know, rewarding part of my job, honestly. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing, brother. No, I love that, man. And I'm, I'm really passionate about this topic, too, just kind of especially the things that I've done in terms of just personally um, and uh, not dealing with anything sort of mental health wise, but just more so, especially with the theme of this podcast, you know, constantly elevating. And, you know, when I started this podcast four years ago, um, we didn't have a studio. We didn't have the cameras. We didn't, you know, I was in an office with no heat. Uh, and the idea of just continuing to persevere and say, you know what, I'm just going to do this every single week and get better at it. Uh, you know, my confidence to talk, talking with other people, having these beautiful conversations, this conversation that we're having right now, um, you know, I wasn't like that four years ago. You know what I mean? I didn't have that kind of confidence. And, and, uh, so I, I think just from like thoughts itself and that just that self-belief is really, really powerful, man. Um, in, in just kind of obviously the, on the professional side and, and, and even just being open to that and just being open to the fact of, Hey, you know what? I can get better or I can do better or I can manifest certain things. And, um, I know it's cliche to say, obviously, you know, positivity and whatnot, but honestly, it's so true, man. Like some stuff isn't manifested right now in your life, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen four years, four years later or, or three years later, whatever the case may be. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm 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 a super believer in the fact of like what you think is is so powerful, and and the daily kind of the daily mantras you tell yourself, or the daily habits that you the 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 small things like drinking water every day or going for a walk every day, and that that shit compounds, man, and and it compounds into 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 a snowball years later. Might not be big right now, or oh, drinking water or going for a walk or or doing a podcast every single week. Who's gonna listen to this? Who's gonna listen to my Instagram live? Who's gonna listen to this podcast? But just doing that every single week to build that momentum and say, no, you know what? I will have a dope office one day. I will have like a studio. I will have people that listen to this. Um, I think it's super powerful, man. So, yeah, man, dude, I, I always appreciate people who are going into fields that are less structured because like I, I feel like me getting to this route was an easy route. They told me what I had to do. Then they told me the next thing I had to do. And so I just want to show you some love caches and then like, you know, shout you out that you went against that, bro. And you totally like lived your truth and you kept pushing yourself. 
And by doing that, man, you're not only like showing your little brother who you got in the music video, which is so dope, <laughs> yes. other pathways to get in there. Yeah. But dude, you're showing like a lot of kids who, who, who look like you, who look like me, that you don't have to be a doctor, an engineer, or a pharmacist, or like whatever the three choices are. Yeah. He's successful in there, these other routes. So I, I really appreciate you for that, man. Oh, man. Oh, I appreciate you, man, for saying that. And I appreciate this conversation, man. And just kind of wrapping up, I just want to say, you know, um, what what do you want to leave, you know, our audience, uh, you know, maybe just some some things you want to leave and and kind of your socials if someone wants to reach out to you. But just maybe one last thing, like how, you know, anything you want to leave for, for the audience and, and people listening. Pushing yourself to feel uncomfortable is an absolute necessary part of life. Like even you're talking about your story, how much uncomfortability did you have to go through to get to where you're at and how you continue to push yourself to continue to grow. Uh, there, there is no growth without uncomfortability. Um, when I talk about the medications for psychiatry, it brings down the severity so then you can push through it with the work, uh, whatever it is, you know, like, um, you know, doing this podcast, bro, I, I don't have any like experience with like interviews and like what I'm trying to talk about, but yeah. All right. It might be a little uncomfortable. Maybe I was a little nervous at the beginning of it. I settled in and that's important. That's how you build those skills. And, and so pushing yourself to be uncomfortable is, is, is such a valuable part of life and taking care of your mental health and your wellness. I think can allow you to do so. Uh, so plug for mental health, plug for being uncomfortable, uh, and plug for that Mamba mentality, growth mindset, better today than I was yesterday. Love it, man. Love it. Yeah. No, that's dope, man. No, I appreciate that, man. And if if uh, if someone wants to reach out to you, how can they kind of get a hold of you? Where where can they find you? Maybe plug that in right now, uh, especially for those just listening. That's right. That's right. So listen, I got a TikTok page with a couple other psychiatrists, Psych Doc. TikTok, uh, psych, like the traditional spelling doc, D-O-C, TikTok, like the brand. Um, I'm on Instagram at Issa underscore Matt four. Um, but otherwise, man, like you can reach me uh, if, 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 if you're in the state of California and you want to see like what I'm like as a psychiatrist, you can go to Adelpha Psych, A-D-E-L-P-H-A, psych.com. Look me up. Um, otherwise, man, get a Cassius and he knows how to get a hold of me. However you can find me, I'm on the internet. I'm that weird doctor. Y'all, 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 you know, it's not too hard <laughs> to find me there. Uh, I'm happy to help. And if I can be helpful, man, please reach out. Um, it's, it's something that fills my cup. Oh, that's dope, man. Listen, brother, I appreciate you. This was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, being on the podcast. And, you know, I look forward to, to, to seeing what you, what you get up to. And um, I look forward to chopping it up in person, man. We got to do a pod in person. That's right, brother. That's right. Uh, send me out to Canada, man. I'd love to be there. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. Come to the studio. Come to the radio station. So, no, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, man. And uh, much love. You too, man. Much love back to you. Khudafiz and second floor. We here, baby. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Cheers. Bye.